calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. everyone and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode for secret invasion here from the geek buddies <gasps> hey. uh, being a little quiet because uh, we've got some work going on at the house so if some of you hear some drilling or some noises or some knocks just letting you know ahead of time that that is what's happening here at the house but i will do my best to mute myself uh, when that uh, noise gets to be a little too much as we have the back and forth here during this particular review. But thank you so much for joining us. Shannon, this is episode three, Betrayed of Secret Invasion here on Disney Plus from Marvel. A lot of people were expecting to get something really interesting in this uh, third episode because of what happened at the end of the last episode, finding out that Nick Fury is possibly um, married to a scroll without him knowing it. Gaia's further attempts to play both sides. Talos's issues with Fury coming to a head there with that conversation on the train scene and of course graphic for getting further and further down the wormhole of what he wants to do uh, against the human beings and being in charge now thanks to the squirrel council of what they want to do in terms uh, in terms of eradicating the humans off the planet and essentially terraforming earth to be a new squirrelos for lack of a better term so um uh, let's jump into it just right off the bat shannon mcclung your thoughts overall on this particular episode you know what? I I really liked it. Um, I actually reached out to to John and Vogel on one of our group texts, um, expressing how much I liked it, and got a very uh, tepid. It was fine from Vogel, yeah. Yeah. and then a couple hours later, got a slightly warmer but still very tepid response from John. Be like, eh, it was good. Um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. And I think one of the reasons that I did enjoy it was this just got to be more of a showcase for some really great acting, mm. really fantastic scenes, uh, a pair from Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel L. Jackson, as well as a great scene between Ben Mendelsohn and Kingsley Benadir and a pretty shocking uh, finale 
if it is actually a finale for Amelia Clark's Gaia. But I thought uh, it was so funny because, I mean, I've I've enjoyed her in this show. I mean, I think the ones that are getting the fireworks right now are Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. But the scene where um, where uh, 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 Gravik is sort of interrogating her, talking about, hey, how did this happen? Um the chilly distance that she had, I was like, man, Amelia Clark is really dialing it in this episode. And God forbid she just got a bullet in the chest. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, but no, I really, I really like this one. This is this is becoming one of my more favorite uh Disney Plus series, but based off of the, a lot of the reaction online, I might be alone in that. <laughs> Yeah, we should say that right off the bat that Michael is not joining us today because he's on vacation. He's been on vacation for the last week. That's why he wasn't uh, joining us on the Indiana Jones spoiler review, which we had earlier this week. But he'll be back tomorrow as we're recording this on a Thursday. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back doing our thing as the Geek Buddies fully tomorrow. But yeah, I would I would say that Shannon's characterization of my feelings on, on the episode is 100% right. A little tepid. I enjoyed a lot of the 70s espionage spy thriller vibes that you got in this especially with nick fury you know he's kind of a dick he's kind of a jerk he's not really everybody's calling him out on the on the mistakes that he's made in the past but look the people calling him out have also made mistakes themselves clearly over these last 30 years in 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 uh, what they've been doing so it's an interesting place to be in because i do think there's not a lot of fury going you know what you're right you know what i should you know i should there's more fury going no i did what i did but then you know you just deal with it because i gotta stop this threat and i gotta stop these scrolls for taking over the earth so it's an interesting uh, um, way they're going with nick fury but samuel L. jackson is doing a a fantastic job as you said acting wise this show is top notch i think ben mendelson is doing great work amelia clark is doing fantastic work uh, uh certainly um olivia coleman is killing it and kingsley benadier who just had uh, a trailer drop today for his uh, his portrayal of bob marley is doing wonderful work in the in this episode as well and you're right shannon there were some scenes that stood out certainly the scene with him and talos in that restaurant the back and forth was really intense uh, the scene with uh, with um, uh, Priscilla slash Vara, uh, which we were both right. I get the all all of us were right. I think on that one um, uh, with Fury, their conversation as well, and then of course the stuff with Talos and Fury in the bar, the back and forth that they're having uh, as well. So there's a lot here in terms of the conversations that were happening, along with a little bit of, in my opinion, forced humor. And I think for me, the overall feeling I have now is. We're moving way too fast through way too many important things that I think we should spend a little more time slowing down and savoring this stuff. And some people are making decisions that don't seem to make sense when we've presented, we've been presented with these people supposedly being more intelligent than they seem to be by some of their actions. So these are the things that I have a little bit of issues with that are slowing down my overall joy of it right now. But again, we're only three episodes in. We've got three more to go. If they stick the landing hard, I think this will be uh, all worth it in the end. And we can reappraise it uh, uh, all over again when we watch it. But uh, we're going to break this thing down. It is a spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the episode, go and see it. Come back and join us as we break this thing down. But uh, let's talk about I want to break this down with relationships here, uh, uh, Shannon. Because not a lot happened, but a lot did happen. It was more in the conversations that stuff was happening than necessarily this big plot to shoot down a U.N., um uh, plane there from the british submarine that was the fake plan of uh graphics there to expose 
the trader that Gaia is. But let's deal with Talos and Gravik here. I mean, Talos wants to use, or Gravik wants to use a, as I said, a British nuclear submarine for an attack on a UN plane to start World War III. He brings in, uh, Gravik does, the uh, council there for a quick, brief moment to see what he's doing. He mentions Super Scrolls, that he has a plan for the heroes, that he wants to lure the heroes back so he can become, he can implement this stuff. And we see him have this, uh, um, and we see Talos having this crazy obsession with protecting his daughter. It was like Marty McFly, don't call me chicken, throughout this entire episode. It's so much so that when they have this scene, which we lead to, this scene between them, which uh, Gravik is the one who, or Talos is the one who wanted to have this scene uh, in this communication with Shirley last episode, we finally get this scene, this conversation. It is tense. It is full of back and forths. Uh, and certainly the old, the young lion versus the old lion. Uh, and the old lion gets that choke at the end. And the old lion stabs the young lion through his hand, which we find out leads us to believe that he, uh, he has already implemented the extremist uh, stuff into his body as a scroll that is uh, graphic there. So interesting relationship throughout this entire episode, leading, of course, to graphic tricking Gaia uh, and uh, outing her as the spy, shooting and killing her. So talk to me about what you thought about how this relationship went down and that scene specifically between Talos and Gravik. Um, you know, it, it was interesting as they brought the rest of the council into this, you know, this this chamber where, you know, yeah. they're going to be undergoing some, you know, super scroll experiments. Um, you, you get a sense from the other characters that they are understanding the uh, <laughs> gravity of the situation. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> Jesus. I just, uh, just, I just felt Mike's eye roll from across the country. <laughs> from across the country. Anyway, yeah. They're understanding that they made they're understanding they made a deal with the devil. John, yeah. come on, you know that's a solid know, joke. A good one. I'm not gonna deny. <laughs> Gravic the situation is good. God, I wish your mic hadn't been on mute, so I could have heard the initial <laughs> the initial response. Um, but yeah, I mean it was just and then I think to one of uh, yours and Vogel's critiques earlier in the show, as Gravik says, like, you know, this is the thing that we're going to do. It's going to bring out basically Earth's superheroes, but we're going to be ready. And the I think the the challenge, the many challenges of uh, uh, adapting a a limited run, like 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 an arc from a comic into this sort of expanding cinematic universe is the limitations that you have when you're telling this gigantic story in that in the comics, this was a gigantic story, but in the larger story that the Marvel cinematic universe, like they want to use uh, aspects of it, but it's um, when you're trying to fit it into this multiverse, you know, this multiverse uh, saga, uh, you probably can't pay. You can't blow it out the way you would like to like, my guess is that we might have a superhero show up at some point, um, but 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 right now it 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 doesn't look like it. It looks like this is going to be Nick Fury's thing. Um, but I completely got away from your question. Well, just, um, yeah, yeah. What you thought of this relationship and what was going on here? Yeah. Um, you know what? I I loved that scene as as you said, the old lion meets meets the young cub, and you get the sense that Gravik is a man of action, whereas Talos is a man of thought. And both of them have flaws in their approach in that Gravik is not, maybe not taking in the entirety of the situation before he acts, whereas Talos, as an older man, as an older character, is 
maybe a little reticent to act. Like mm -hmm. there's probably that the, if they were on the same side, the happy medium would be in the middle yeah. uh, between these two ideologies. Um, what an incredible moment when everyone in that cafe turns into yeah. Gravik. I mean, yeah. you know, and granted that was, that was given away in the, uh, in the, the first uh, trailer, I believe, but so, so just a powerful, powerful moment. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I think it, it lacked by the end, like I loved when, he uh, stabbed when Taylor stabbed Gravik with that yeah. fork. Um, everyone stood up again, but nobody did anything. Right, right. And the moment that was missing there was Gravik telling them not to act. Like yeah, he's basically he's letting. Yeah. Yep. You, you, I feel like you needed that because mm -hmm. you know you set up this threat, then you give us an action that justifies action on that yeah. threat, and nothing happens. Yeah. So that was something that was missing. But overall, that scene was just so so powerful. Um, and then leading to uh, the one, the the older guy kind of bumping into Talos. Mm. And we're pretty sure that it's Gaia. Yeah, that was Gaia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then as, you know, that van passes by, we see that same older guy walking past. But yeah. there's but there's Gaia. So, I mean, there's some scroll trickery uh, going on. But, uh, you know, that scene to me, that scene is the show right yeah. now. And I think that's why I did hold this episode in such high esteem is the 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 arguing back and forth the debate back and forth and you really see like if any of our audience doesn't watch uh or hasn't watched bloodline on netflix mm. um you really get to see kind of the menace yeah. of ben mendelson when he tells gravik you need to be very very careful here just really strong strong acting work yeah it's an interesting thing to explore their relationship because we don't we got the flashback of gravik in the second episode Clearly, there's a little anger here that Fury hasn't lived up to his promises. And clearly, uh, Vanessa or uh, uh, Vara, uh, Priscilla, calls him, him out on what he did as well, just like Talos did in the train in the last episode. So we've got a lot of anger towards Fury here. But I need to find out what Gravik's point of all of this is. What has made him turn on human beings in such a harsh way like he does in the show? It's This is what I think is missing here. The scenes are great. I mean, the scene with him, the old lion, young lion thing that they're doing is fantastic. Of course, he's a young man. Of course, he's going to be a man of action. He's going to want to do things in a hardcore way. More To him, people are expendable still because the cause is what matters, right? In the first episode, when uh, is it, uh, Grabone is trying to, or the other guy, yeah, I think it was, he was trying to say like, oh, you are the cause. Like, I'm not the cause. Scrollless uh, is the cause, right? This idea that, Something bigger is the cause, but he's going to make all the decisions that cost people's lives. And I'm going to ask you about that in just a second. But having them go back and forth, I think, is so fascinating because, yes, the older lion would be more circumspect, has been through the wars, has been through the mistakes that the young lion has made, and so understands that there's a better approach here. Plus, he does love human beings, and they have the back and forth where he says to him, like, you know, you don't know them the way I do. You don't respect them the, the way I do. Nothing brings human beings together more and, and nothing makes them more dangerous than when they think that they're going to die or when they think that they're pushed into a corner. And you've got to factor that in, but he is not factoring that in. So I, I like that there was a healthy exchange of ideas between them uh, in the back and forth and where we're going. But uh, it leads me to my next question. What do you think about Gravik's plan here? I mean, he essentially implemented a fake plan that cost scroll lives in order to expose the traitor, which was Gaia. Um, and then he shoots and kills Gaia. So let's, let's hit both of those at the same time. What do you think Gravik's plan here? 
do you think Gaia is dead? And why, if Gaia can turn into an old man and turn into all these things, why didn't she turn into something else to escape New Skrullis after she had essentially betrayed Gravik and his uh, intentions in that attack? You know, in terms of the plan, like, I I don't think Gravik would have had an issue if the plan had gone through. Like, mm. maybe it's coming a little faster than he yeah. would be, than he has prepared his people for. Yeah, but ultimately, yeah. if it does succeed, great. Um, as far as outing outing a uh, a, a saboteur or, or, or a rat or a spy, yeah. um, you know, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, it's the whole, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. And th- these are the eggs he had to break. He had to sacrifice a couple of his people to save more of his people down the line. I think yeah. that's probably that's Too probably much. the point. of Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the point of view there is. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna lose some people, but ultimately this is gonna save lives. It's you know, it's the Star Trek two. It's you know the the you know the one for the many. Yeah. Um. But as far as whether or not Gaia actually died, I don't know. We've not seen Amelia Clark in her scroll form. Right. Right. So was that scroll form? Exactly. So it's like, was that Amelia Clark? That is what we are led to believe. Good Um, question. Could that have been someone else? As a decoy. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly possible. Um, Because again, even though he did shoot her, the speed in which he left, Um, And maybe that, again, is the arrogance of a younger man. Uh, It's like, I would really want to be sure that she were dead. (laughs) If this is the person that is sort of, you know, the rot in the foundation that I've discovered. But it led me to another thing. And I think the only I'm going to bring it up here just because I imagine we won't get to this. Um, There was a moment that I at that that scene at the beginning between uh, Beto and the other two scrolls where I was like, is Beto a plant from Fury? Ooh, very possible. Very possible. Sure. Because we are led to believe that Fury always kind of has a larger plan. And that could this be it? I mean, there is a beta. Beto is sticking around. So that tells me that either he was going to be sort of like the first, you know, full on Super Skull experiment, or maybe he is, you know, Fury's inside man. Um. I could I could be one hundred percent off, but that was something like as he was talking with the older two scrolls, mm-hmm. that was the thought that I had is like there is a not a reticence, but there's there's a discomfort here yeah. that we're picking up, or at least I'm picking up, yeah, yeah, yeah. that could lead to something else. Yeah, that's a great thing you bring up. Let's talk about it a little bit, yeah, because I mean the the uh, the reticence, as you point out, could be uh, one that he's a young scroll who's been brought in and he was struggling out on the street. And now he sees that if he wants to be a warrior, he's going to do some uns- have to do some unsavory terrorist type things. So is he happy doing that? And so that's a that could be the reticence. Or as you said, he could be a young agent that Fury has recruited. And look, what did Talos call him out on? Which we'll get to is that you know you wouldn't have risen up the ranks of Shield if it wasn't for all of us getting dirt, going undercover. You know, people not knowing about us being here on Earth. And so we were able to imitate or become other people that helped you solve cases or helped you get information that moved you up the chain. So why wouldn't he still be doing that with a younger scroll here, planting them? Because the whole thing of the show has been that Fury is, uh, you know, five steps behind. He can't do it anymore. He's too old. But wouldn't this be an interesting way for him uh, to mess uh, to mess with everybody, knowing that he had put this plant in? From the beginning, I thought as you were talking that maybe Beto disguise, uh, transformed himself into Gaia and took the bullet for Gaia. But I like your idea a little bit better that 
Beto could be a plant by Fury to be a part of this, especially if we are confirming that a certain somebody is a scroll who was on the other end of the line. That could be really interesting to think about if it is uh, a Beto who is a plant there and is discovering all this information and what have you. And so he's got both Gaia and Beto getting him information. That's a excellent point. I hadn't even considered. And so, um, yeah. Anything more to say on that? Cause I wanted to touch on the Gaia stuff as well. Well, it could 100% be wrong. <laughs> no, no, but I like it. It's a valid theory. It's a valid Look, if Michael can toss out that Talos is behind this whole thing, then I think you can toss out Beto possibly working for Fury. So we, sh- we shall see. But yeah, the guy's situation, I hope this isn't the end. This would be so um, uh, flat. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when Colby Smothers died, we had seen Marie Hill in a number of Marvel situations. So her dying has an impact. Although I will say, no one's talking about it now for two episodes. No one's mentioning it. No one's like really feeling it. No, nothing. So, I mean, we did mention, obviously we did have the thing in halfway through the second episode where her mom was there and don't let her death be for nothing, but they don't mention her the rest of the episode. They don't mention her all in this episode. So I'm just, I got concerns here about how we're dealing with death in the secret invasion show. So if guy is really dead, I, this would be very disappointing for Amelia Clark, but just like you, I anticipate that she isn't because there are a few scenes from the trailers that she hasn't uh, shown up in. That doesn't mean everything in the trailers is going to show up in a show or a movie, but it is something to consider over the next week until the next episode comes out. If she is dead, would you feel that this is a mistake by the show? Man, it's tough to say. Okay. I mean, there. I think there's kind of two ways of looking at it. Like okay. when you have a performer of Amelia Clark's status, status right, um, exactly. generally when you, when, you, when you knock one of them off, the ending isn't so unceremonious that mm-hmm. there's there's sort of a bigger moment. Even Kobe Smulders, as she was dying, she did get to have that moment. Yeah, one line. Of yeah, she, yeah. Yep. If she wasn't sure if it was Nick, even though Nick is saying it wasn't me, she didn't yeah. she didn't actually know. And I think as someone who is about to, you know, shake off this mortal coil, that is the worst way to do it is like, did my friend just kill me? Yeah. What a way to go. Um, At the same time, you know, uh, not to reference a different show, but like, you know, years ago, there was the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. And in its second season, they knew they weren't coming back. And the way they knocked off Brian Austin Green's character was exactly like this. It was even less ceremonious because he's coming around a corner and a Terminator just pops him in the head and he just goes down and that's it. Yeah. So this ending was kind of in the middle. In okay. that it was very, very sudden. I love that Gravik almost didn't let her finish her sentence. Yeah. Because almost. I'm like, that's that is it. That is a decisive move. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's the right move, we'll see. But the fact that she's like, you know, are you, are you, you know, with are you for the scrolls or are you their our yeah, worst yeah, enemy? Yeah. Bang, she's gone. Um, but the fact that they did kind of pan down, they did let us see what she what she looks like without her human shell right again like i'm pretty sure like we could tell that was a female but we don't know if that was amelia clark or not right so it, it it'll be interesting to see my guess is that she's probably not dead but then right. you have to explain why he took off so quickly yeah right exactly and it would make sense for gravic um in terms of how he did this to not let her finish the sentence because he's a young man. He doesn't want to be contradicted. So this thing is, that's been my point about Gravik. He is all ego. This is all ego in what he's doing. Yes, does he have a conviction and what he wants to do? Sure, but it's all ego-driven. And because it's ego-driven, uh, you don't want to hear uh, anybody contradicting you. That's usually the arrogant way through things. And he, certainly he's having that vibe 
with his character. Before we take a break, let's hit the Fury and Talos relationship. I mean, last we saw them in, in the previous episode, Shannon, they had uh, ex- exchanged some harsh words on the train. Fury kicked them off the train. Uh, Talos was doing his own thing, uh, exploring and investigating. Fury was doing his own thing, exploring and investigating. That eventually they end up in this bar. Fury gets a little too close for comfort as Talos is having an English breakfast. And then they have a back and forth about all of this. And it, it connects to the train. It's like the end of the train argument there in the bar. Talos is like calling him out for like, you you got balls. I think you can come in here and talk to me after all you said and blah, blah, blah. And Talos simply is apparently just asking for an ego stroke. Just say that what we did meant something to you and that we mattered and then we'll be fine. So did you like that that is what ended up happening? And then later the scene where they're uh, going to the naval commander's home and uh, uh what happens there and how he figures out that uh talos has been taken by the other scroll and then talos shooting the dude um uh to try to stop world war three and anger at his daughter but they were trying to stop world war three in essence what do you think about this relationship and then what it led to there at the end of the of the show i think are do you like an english breakfast John? i love an english breakfast uh the, the tomatoes i don't always eat the tomatoes but other than that i have the english bread don't mind the beans you get beans and toast. <laughs> you get used to toast. Yeah. yeah, there's something like I'm not a tomato fan. So for, for me to watch anyone slice open a cooked tomato <laughs> and, and struggle with it a little bit, I'm like, ah, gross. <laughs> but I really did like that scene. I mean, yeah. you you start to see as an audience, we're learning that the um, legend of Nick Fury is kind of built upon the backs of scrolls. Yeah, yeah. And so watching him come back to Talos wanting his help but his inability to sort of check his ego as you've already pointed out that was a great moment and i mean i love the 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 expression from ben mendelson the whole you know you got a you got a lot of balls saying what you said to me and then coming and asking for help i'm not asking for help He's like, oh, you just coming? You do want an English breakfast? I mean, that was just a that was a great that was a great interaction between two friends, two lifelong friends who have had a disagreement, and that maybe there's some things that haven't been said Mm. because it's like, well, it's my buddy. I'm gonna let him. He's gonna do that, but I know ultimately he's a good guy. I mean, so and you see, Taylor's finally kind of put his foot down, be like, no, you know, it's it's time for you to acknowledge the contributions that we made and that yeah. you would not be where you are if not for us. And the fact that Fury did it. Yeah. Eventually, I mean, that was eventually. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, you're still in the same setting. <laughs> he got there. He didn't do it right away. <laughs> no self-respecting man does it right away. You, no, have, to, right. you, you have to be a little conflicted, <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, I thought, I thought that was great, but it, like, as they're back in the car and yeah. Fury's again, flips back. He's like, you know, I've been cleaning your mess up for years. They're talking about the, uh, the, the dog comparison, yeah. the, the interspecies relationship. <laughs> he immediately goes back to his old argument. Like I've been yeah. cleaning up your mess for years like are are we back to this (laughs) just just really just a really really great fun scene and that um incursion into the house i thought was that was awesome um watching ben mendelson again there there are older actors when you see them do a fight scene yeah it's 
choreography because this is like this is an older actor there's no way this would happen in real life there is an air for me at least of believability to ben mendelson kicking the crap out of someone yeah no knowing that he does have that enhanced scroll strength but that moment where he he's in the uh he's in the the navy guy's shell and his guard being like i just saw you like shit all right (laughs) and then going into it but also you see that even though Nick Fury's legend, again, had, had the support of, you know, the scrolls working for him, he's, he's a smart guy. He's not a dummy. And so the moment that the Navy guy in disguise has been Mendelssohn or saying like, hey, Nick, I just had to do this. And he's like, nope, he didn't call me that. Right. And seeing that Nick Fury is not above threatening a child yeah. to, you know, an innocent kid. <laughs> to get what he needs so i thought that was great and the moment that talos made the decision actively made the decision to kill this scroll because he knew like i know my people he's not giving it up that we gotta we gotta you know we gotta take this guy off the board yeah i thought it was awesome yeah, I see, and, but this is where I get. I think we might have to uh, come to a, a disagreement here because I I, I liked uh, the scene in the bar, although it seemed weird that Talos would just need the stroke. But you know, people are built differently. Some people need the stroke. He's like the tribal chief for the WWE. You got to acknowledge me, and he wanted to get acknowledged. Fine, he got acknowledged from Nick, but then clearly Nick just said it to help him to get him to help him because in the car he immediately tries to reclaim power in that relationship by saying. I've been cleaning up your poop for 30 years. Like, what? What are you talking about? We've been cleaning your shit up, Fury, for 30 years. So immediately trying to, you know, we sometimes we have relationships with those people who don't want to, ad- who, who begrudgingly admit that they are, they needed your help, but then immediately try to reestablish dominance in the relationship because they can't exist in a relationship where they're not the dominant one or at least equal dominant or slightly dominant. And so that's what you see there in that moment. But what it leads to in the in the house just is odd to me. The Nick stuff works. The Nick Fury knowing that he he no one uses his name, so that's why he knew Talos had gotten the jump on him, and that worked. But then him using the kid and seeing Talos trying to comfort the kid, right, as a counter a little bit later in the scene, you see the differences. Nick is willing to kill anyone to accomplish the goal. Talos has a more empathetic approach to try to solve these situations, right? It's just different. But then when the commander, you know, it mentions his daughter or makes fun of his daughter that he couldn't even keep his daughter in line or in check, he shoots it, which of course forces Gaia to have to risk her cover to get that code word so they can stop the attack. So in a way, Talos' um, uh, connection to his daughter, his overdeveloped sense of protection here is what causes the possible death of his daughter uh, in the in the later scene. So there are mistakes being made by a number of people throughout this episode that doesn't seem to make sense to me, you know, in certain moments. So I don't see. I don't. I don't think he shot him because he offended him. I think he shot him because it's like this is this road is going nowhere. All right, let's take you off the board. I didn't get how it was established because he said something about his daughter and then boom, he shot him. So and especially after he had taken the uh, the gun away from Nick who had wanted to shoot him again in the first place. So it seemed like an odd twist, a turn rather in, the, in that way. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, you know, we'll see, obviously, as this all plays out. But um, let's take a quick break, a break and then we'll hit the, a couple last things uh, before we wrap up our review right after this. I forgot to Google songs with secret in the title. 
That's got nothing to hum. <laughs> well, let's move on to this uh, Nick Fury and uh, Priscilla slash Vara relationship. Uh, Shannon, we go back in time to 1998. Vara has a new face that all of a sudden Nick finds attractive. Priscilla, oh my. Uh, they have a little flirting between them, certainly an insinuation that, hey, the uh, barriers between us are down. I don't work for you, so we can start this relationship. Uh, and that, that and then we go to present day, and of course we'd seen her at the end of the last episode. And uh, now it's the next morning, they're having this conversation, and it's, I think it's a really well-written scene. I will say this, the writing on the show is damn good, and should give some uh, love to the writers of this particular episode, Roxanne Paredes and Brian Tucker, doing a nice job on this episode. And the back and forth here between them, Nick and, uh, and uh, Priscilla slash Vara here, I think it's really good to explore their relationship. Her saying, like, I had no illusions. I knew who I was getting with when I got with Nick Fury. And when you were blipped out, you know, I spent five years crying on the pillow, crying for you and, and all that. And I just when I was starting to move on, you came back and then you took off to the uh, to Saber because you couldn't handle stuff on Earth. And so that's when I realized I needed to focus on me and build me up. And I came back to being me before you. And yes, I was flirting with you. I wanted to be in a relationship with you. But knowing where it all led to, I needed to find who I was. And then we find out that, you know, she gets a call. Nick looks at the phone, doesn't pick up the phone, doesn't go and check out what the phone is. Then later, she gets another call. She goes to a safe deposit box, pulls out a gun, then calls someone wanting to talk to Gravik. Says, well, look, you're the other person on the end of the line says, look, you're talking to me. A lot of people are speculating that's Rhodes and that he was a scroll because he used he called Fury Nick in the last episode in their great scene. So. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Fury and Vara slash Priscilla relationship, how it progressed here? Do you think she's working for Gravik? Do you think she's working for the government? What's the situation here with them and with her? I mean, one, de-aging on Sam Jackson just looks great. I mean, <laughs> we know the phrase. I'm not going mean... to say it, but we know the phrase. Yeah. yeah. But also, I mean, and I think it is one of the differences, like with Dial of Destiny that's out right now. I mean, the, the Sam Jackson's voice just had to me at least, just right. hasn't changed. Like yeah, He has yeah, always right. sounded the same, despite yeah. the fact that he has gotten older. Like His vocal cords don't seem to be aging, so it is yeah. it is incredible. It's like You throw a little bit of hair on him and you smooth out some wrinkles, like, yep, that's, that's, that's Sam Jackson that's Sam from, yeah. from 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> the dynamic I really liked. Uh, you know, Charlene uh, Woodard is, yeah. again, like, really, really, like, she, she's mainly character actress. I mean, she's mm -hmm. popped up in big things for years. I mean, she played, she played actually Sam Jackson's mom in Unbreakable. <laughs> oh, oh, that's her. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like seeing this young version of them when they decided to take this leap together, this right. relationship leap, and then cutting to present day where Nick doesn't know if he can trust her. Like yeah, so yeah. much time has passed. There was the blip. There's also the time that he was gone in space and knowing that, oh my gosh. And again, we still don't have the full backstory on Gravik. That right, we don't. We're, yeah. We were speculating that he was sort of raised as their son. Yeah. Um, but watching how Nick is sort of soft peddling, trying to get trying to get to the truth. Yeah. And the whole idea that she was just saying, like, you know, as you already put, I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. You were gone. You came back and then you left again. Yeah. So it was time for me to be me. And, you know, we don't really know a whole lot about her right. prior to prior to Earth. So 
Uh, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a really good relationship. And that moment where she goes down to, you know, open the safety deposit box is like, Oh, what are we going to find? Oh shit. It's a gun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, of all the people that I feel like Nick could have planted, she is not one of them. Like, and it certainly seems that roadie roadie is a scroll. I mean, that sounded like Don Cheadle's that sounded like Don Cheadle's voice to me. Yeah. But I don't know, man, we'll see again. Like I, there's so much, there's so much speculation that I'm having a blast with the show, but your, (laughs) your critiques, I do. I I don't take issue with them. They're just, I just want us to slow down a little bit. That's all. We're just moving so fast. I mean, he tossed off super scrolls at the beginning of this, of this episode. Like it was not a big deal. That's massive. That is a huge deal, Super Scrolls. So I just wanted a little more time with it. And we introduced this council, and we only give them, like, what, 30 seconds in the next episode? So it just is, I just have questions about how quickly we're moving through stuff. That being said, when we do slow down and we do have these interactions like we have with Fury and, uh, and Vara there, it is great. By the way, you, you make an excellent point. Charlene Woodard, that is 69 years old. She looks incredible. Incredible. Years old. Okay, people incredible so the back and forth with them was so real and lived in and authentic in the in in this relationship that i thought it was really cool and so i don't know if i'm ready to not like vara do you know what i'm saying or or want her to be on graphic side so i like that it gives us a little bit of mystery here in what she's doing um and the fact that she wants to talk to graphic what does that mean what happened uh, since fury took off uh to space there to get away from all the stuff that was going down here, like Talos called him out on doing last episode. I want to see what turned her, if she's working for Gravik, what turned her into wanting to work for Gravik. This 30-year wait for having a home, how does this affect people? You know, and, and people who are gung-ho about it, eventually after 30, especially when the guy who promised you was like, fuck it, I'm taking off to space. I can't deal with this right now. You could understand the blip, but him willingly leaving when he had promised you a home and not actually working to create a new home for you, I think that would be, I think that would cause some people to maybe turn on that person, and understandably so. Not that you're validating terrorist actions, but you can understand why people might be upset about that situation and give in to their darker impulses as a result of that anger. You know, so right. we're going to see. But I agree with you that the the uh, the mystery of some of this stuff is enticing, and it's why I keep coming back. Uh, every week i guess i was hoping from the first episode that this would be more like Andor, and it's starting to feel more like the mcu and i think that's where i'm starting to wonder about how much power this this um show is going to have and how much of a oomph it's going to end on that's going to affect the larger mcu i don't know just yet but i am reserving full judgment till the end i just you know i'm a little worried about it for right now um did we like olivia did we like her coming in and putting a little patch on the owl was that fun? like what's what's her role here? Because she says she can't help because of what happened with her own infiltration. So what are your thoughts there? Her beloved hoot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, again, like she doesn't have a whole lot to do in this episode. Yeah. But Olivia Coleman, a little splash of Olivia Coleman is always is always welcome. I did think it was interesting. It's like, yeah, I can't really help right now. I was like, all right, can you give us this guy's picture and his name? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like not a problem. All right. <laughs> 
like that too. I like that too. Um, all right. Is there anything we missed? Anything you want to touch on in your notes or anything that uh, we, we uh, didn't kind of go into uh, before we wrap up our review here? Uh, I'm looking through my notes and I don't see too much that we didn't talk about. So what do you think? No, I mean, I think, I think we, uh, I think we covered it all just other than, other than the disagreement that I, that I said, great friggin' episode and Priscilla <laughs> might be a traitor. <laughs> that you know you and i disagree on the on the first part yeah we'll see what happens we'll see what happens um what do you think what do you think what do you what do you predict for the next episode as we wrap up here anything anything you 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 want to go out i mean the beto one is a pretty good prediction shannon but is there anything more you think might happen here well i mean we haven't really had the uh fury gravic confrontation yet right um and you know if if the the sequence of events in that, you know, Talos chatted, you know, chatted with Fury, you left. Yeah. Priscilla chatted with Fury. Reason dictates that someone else is going to say something to him. Yeah. And yeah. my fingers are crossed for graphic, even though, you know, you put those two in a room together. It's like, all right, something bad's going to happen. Right. So you might not do that until, you know, your fifth or sixth episode. But I'm very curious about what that relationship actually was. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, if, Everett Ross and uh, Rhodes are in one of those um, uh, pods. Pods, yeah. That yeah. Uh, Gravic has been setting up, and that Gaia walked in. There was many more people in those pods than before, and they mentioned Drakeoff, right in the 1998 flashback with Vara and Fury. They mentioned Drakeoff, which is a connection to Black Widow, and there have been a lot of rumors that Black Widow was going to come back in Secret Invasion. So. Is Florence Pugh coming back or God forbid, are we seeing a surprise Scarlett Johansson cameo as Natasha in all of this? Was that Natasha who was killed in Endgame and not actually, or was that a scroll who was killed as Natasha and not actually Natasha? That would drive people insane, but I don't know. Just throwing it out there. You mentioned Drakeoff. That's got to lead to something. And I know we have Thunderbolts coming, so maybe that's what it's leading to with uh, the connection there with um, uh, Olga Kurilenko's character as Taskmaster. But we shall see. What, what's your speculation on, the, on, the, on that reference? Well, I think if that had been a scroll that had jumped off in uh, on that other planet, I think she would have turned back into a scroll when she died. Oh, that's a good um, point. Son of a <laughs> <laughs> And my guess is the Drakeoff name drop is more just sort of establishing players that were involved in that time. And we knew... Okay. That's around the time. Yeah, I think that's around the time that Black Widow was a kid. Yeah. Oh, good point. Maybe after. Maybe maybe it might be after. Yeah. I might have a, my timing confused. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our spoiler review here for episode three of uh, Secret Invasion Betrayed, the shortest installment of the series. So hopefully the next three are going to have jam-packed stuff going on a little bit longer as well so we can savor it as I've been pushing it um but there you go so thank you all so much for watching this episode and uh, or listening to it you can as you always can on our podcast shannon what do we have to tell yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel and his cross-country eye rolls it is at <laughs> mk tune and if you would like to follow mr roca you know and just savor it just savor it it's at the Roca says. Just sit in it. That's all I'm asking. Put a little gravy. <laughs> hey, 
hang out. Uh, yeah, and uh, as I said, please remember to subscribe to the channel down below. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button so you see we're dropping all the content we do here, both Geek Buddies and otherwise on the Outlaw Nation. And the Geek Buddies, we have our own uh, podcast feed, so please remember to subscribe to that. we got to get those numbers up. People really would love you all, the thousands of you who watch our content every week. We'd love you all to subscribe wherever you download podcasts so we can get more and more sponsors and more and more people promoting the show as well and showing the numbers to get us more sponsors through our fine folks over there at realm uh realm t uh, realm fm or is it realm tv i always forget i think it's but realm fm realm fm who are fantastic uh and hanging out and, and supporting us here on the geek buddies all right y'all take care of yourselves be well we'll be back with uh um our main show tomorrow as we're recording this and then also vogel and i will be back for a review of strange new worlds episode four coming out as well uh later on this week y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode of the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.